Now I think I know what happened with the date change problems. I think he thought he changed them, but he got daydreaming about food. <laughs> he got done and thought, oh, I'm all done. So I, I smile as he, this is, you, you've talked about that shamrock shake a number of times now. <laughs> so, very good. So he's still young, he can still think about food, eat lots of food. Those of us that have put some years on have also put some pounds on. So we, 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 we still think about food, but we, we can't, uh, we still dream about it. We just don't get to eat it the way we used to. <laughs> All right. Well, today's kind of a fun day. So um, Caleb and Dwayne are going to be baptized. And so as we looked at that, we thought we'd shift things around a little bit. So we would have a little bit of time to kind of get in back and get ready to hold them under the water for a while. And... Uh, don't worry, I, I have not lost anybody yet, so I have never held anyone down to the bubble stop, so I've threatened to do that to my sons, but I did, have not done that, so, uh, so we're, we're in good shape, we're, we're in good shape. So we're talking about Genesis, and again we're talking about foundation issues, and we're walking through this conversation, we're walking through this process of asking, uh, what do we need to know? What are the some of the foundations that are really helpful for us and healthy for us to understand. And again, last week as we talked about this, we saw this in particular as we looked at Eve and we looked at Adam in the garden and how Eve was tempted and how she was misled and how she was deceived. And again, in that whole conversation, in that whole process, it's important to understand our foundations. It's important to understand the teaching of Scripture. So then, then as life comes at us, as challenges come at us, as questions come at us, as doubts are thrown at us, we have that foundation laid, we have that understanding in place so that we can respond and handle things well. Now, Eve was deceived, but in this challenge and in this process, Adam was not deceived. Adam made a willful decision to disobey God. Now, as I said last week, I for, for many years... I kind of looked at this and I said to myself and to others at different times, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, a little bit joking, but always a, a twinge of thinking, I might do this, saying that when I get to heaven, I'm going to give Adam a punch in the nose, because he kind of started all this. But at the same time, I think I would probably, I'm not, I can't say I wouldn't have made that same choice. So if John came up to me in the garden and said, Andrew, look, it's good. What am I going to do? You know, I'm not going to say, see you, sweetheart, I'm out of here. You know, I, 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 you wrestle with that. When you really start to kind of put yourself in the context and think about some of the things that are starting to go on, you start to understand some of the tension. Now, was Adam correct in his choice? Adam. No! He was wrong. But at the same time, as you walk through that, and as you listen to that, and you watch the events that are unfolding there, you kind of understand what was going on. It was wrong, but you also understand it. And, and here's the reality. We all still mess up. Every day, all of us all mess up. And as we're going to look at Cain a little bit later today, it's also intentional, isn't it? Our choosing, our messing up. You go through that sifting process of should I or shouldn't I? You all do that. I'm running late. 
We drive past 35 miles an hour. It's okay. They don't give tickets until you hit 42. (laughs) So, we know we shouldn't be speeding, but we kick it up just because we're running a little bit late. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And it's when we look down, we go, oh, I'm doing 45 and a 35. I should slow down. No, we kind of look in the mirrors. We're looking around. It says, I think I'm okay. Until we see lights. But it's, it's that whole process of choosing that takes place. So we see this process continuing. And we see these things continuing to be fleshed out in life with Cain and with Abel. But let's start, first of all, in Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 because we're going to ask this important question because this is the question that people ask so it's not explicitly identified but I just want to try to answer that question and it's this big question where did family start? so we look, know where Adam and Eve started God made Adam and Eve but we hear the story of Cain and Abel and we know that families happened and we get down to chapter 5 we see the genealogies where did all these families and all this stuff start to happen? So it says, the man was intimate with his wife, and she conceived, gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have made a male child with the Lord's help. So she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain Cain worked the ground. And we see these two guys here, Cain and Abel. Now one of the things I want you to recognize also is that Adam and Eve had a bunch of kids. So when you drop down to chapter 5 and you look at verses 3 and 4, you read this. It says, Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness according to his own image and he named him Seth. So we don't even see in this genealogy conversation even a discussion of either Cain or Abel. They're not even discussed here. But this is 130 years of living. We don't even understand that. We get to 70, 80, we go to, whew, this is a long haul. And, and we hit 90, some of us, and we're like, please don't make me have to move too much. So, he's 130. How old is Eve? 130. Well, no, not 129. She's 130. She was, she was made the same day. It's kind of like twins, you know. The twins go, how much older are you? I'm a couple minutes older. I don't know exactly how much older Adam is and Eve, but they were both made on day six. So she's 130 years old. Any of you ladies that are a little bit older, any of you interested in becoming mom at this stage of life? Okay, 130 years old. She's been telling them to stay away from me for years. Not working. <laughs> but we go on to that next verse. And it says, Adam lived 800 years after he fathered Seth and fathered other sons and daughters. So they fathered multiple kids. A bunch of kids. So we read and we know the names of three sons, but we don't know the names of the daughters, but they had father, they had sons and daughters. So where did Cain find his wife? It was his sister. Where did Seth find his wife? Probably his sister or niece. 
Now we look at that and we come back to that and we go, there's, isn't there kind of a bit of an icky factor to that whole conversation? We gotta go, ooh, but you gotta remember something. This is at the very beginning of everything starting. At the very beginning. So God didn't make Adam and Eve and then made a bunch of other people as well. He made two, male and female, Adam and Eve. And then families and all that kind of stuff started to flow out of that journey as they started to connect and and meet and, and marry siblings or nieces and nephews. Now, how long does it take for that to start to spread out? Not very long, does it? Have you kind of, you, you, you remember the, have you ever done that thing where you say to someone, listen, if you just give me a penny and then double it every day, that'll be great. Just do it for a month. How does that sound? So someone, so you were given, given an option, listen, I'm going to give you $100,000, or I'll give you a penny, and every day I'll double what I give you, but I'll only do it for a month. Which would you choose? Take the month. Because when you start to do the math, it starts to explode. So, you know, the first half of the month, it doesn't seem like much. But because it's 2, and then it's 4, and then it's 8, and then it's 16, and then it's 32, and then it's 64. But then as you kind of, it starts to expand. And all of a sudden, you're sitting on a lot of, a lot of pennies. It doesn't take long for that to start to spread out. And it will spread out fairly quickly, but that's where it started with Cain or Abel or Seth. They probably married a sister. But we're also dealing with two individuals who are perfectly made, no deformities, no deficiencies. So as the gene process started to unfold, there was not an area of degradation. That's changed in history, but that's where it started. Now, why did I talk about that? Because some people like to tell the story and like to make the suggestion that God was just talking about Cain and, or Adam and Eve in this little section, but there are all sorts of other people in other places. Now, why is that an important issue? You don't have to answer me right away, but I'll answer it this way. If there are all sorts of other people around besides Adam and Eve, and God was just telling the story of Adam and Eve, but there were other people around, then the the opportunity for us to be redeemed may not exist. Because if in Adam all have sinned, and in Christ the opportunity for forgiveness exists, we all come from a mother and a father at the beginning of time. We all flow from Adam. We all flow from Eve. But if there are all sorts of other people and forgiveness only flows through the line of Adam, there's so many who would never have an opportunity of forgiveness and who would be totally lost and never have the opportunity, opportunity to be redeemed. But as we look at Scripture, we look at areas of Scripture that says, for whosoever believes in him should not perish but would have everlasting life. It's the offering is to all. So again, we walk through it. It's under, important to understand, even though sometimes we kind of go, ooh, I think that's kind of icky. I'm not sure I really like how this all started. But this is where it started. But understanding and laying foundations so that we understand correctly how things are happening. Adam sinned. We have inherited Adam's sin. 
but it's also because we have all inherited Adam's sin that we have the opportunity to receive God's grace. Because Jesus, as, as Romans talks about, is the second Adam. The one who took our sin upon himself. The one who is the figurehead now for us who we can turn to and find forgiveness of sin. That's the one. So, there weren't a whole bunch of other people around. Adam and Eve started. And that's where families were formed. From brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews, and that's how it started. Now, one of the things I want you to see, number two, is the beginning of worship. And this stands out to me, because both Cain and Abel were in the prop in the commitment area of worshiping. It's obvious that God had outlined what was acceptable and what proper worship looked like. So look at verses I have here in your notes. We'll just go through verses 4 to 7. I want to throw that up on the screen. So I'm going to read from the screen. It says, So the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Go ahead to the next. For the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious and why do you look despondent? If you did, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? So Cain brought a sacrifice. He brought an offering of fruits, fruits and vegetables and all sorts of stuff that you grow. On the flip side, Abel brought a sacrifice, but he brought a sacrifice of, a, of, a, of, a, of an animal. And, and so that's what he did. One of the things I want you to understand is right at the beginning of the journey, God had identified the proper means of worshiping him, the proper means of acknowledging him. All through history, God has identified his expectations of us. And even in the very beginning, in the garden, God identified an expectation, don't eat from that tree. Adam disregarded, blew it. Now we talked about that, how God took some animals, killed those animals, and, and gave covering for Adam and Eve. I would suggest to you that probably in that process, God was demonstrating to Adam and Eve what worship would be like. It doesn't state that, but God is identifying what worship would be like. But then you come back to chapter 4, the next conversation that is really taking place, and you see that Cain did not bring what was acceptable, but Abel did. It says, in the course of time, Abel presented some of the land's produce as an offering, and Abel presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. This was a very different kind of sacrifice than those fruits and vegetables and things being grown. God had identified what his expectations were. Now, Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Why was it accepted? Because it's what God had described. It's because it's what God had communicated he wants. Growing up, all of us have gone through this in different ways. Mom and dad give us instructions. I want you to set the table. I want you to take care of the lawn. I want you to clean your room. 
I want you to clean out the basement. I want you to clean out the garage. I, and, and we have been given chores and we've been given instructions. We've been told of something that we need to do. Now, like all faithful, obedient, and compliant children, I know all of us then went to those tasks that mom and dad gave us, and we did them diligently to the completion of exactly how mom and dad wanted them done. Correct? (laughs) I'm not hearing a hearty yes! (laughs) No! I can't tell you how many times we said to our boys... Go clean your room. And we walk in the room and go, whew, this is clean? Okay, so let's look under the bed. Let's look in the closet. Let's look in your drawers and pull some drawers out. We would say to our boys at different times, how come there's like no underwear down in the hamper? You know, come in, what's going on here? Okay, and so you'd, so let's, let's try it again. Or we, we say to our kids, go out and mow the lawn. And so they mowed the lawn kind of like a zebra pattern. You know, some parts high, some parts low. We kind of come back and say, I think you got to try again. We understand exactly what it means to do something that is acceptable versus not doing something that is acceptable. Anyone at work have a boss that tells you, this is, I have a job that I want you to do, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I want to look like, go, go do it, and when you're done, come back? Yes, that's normal. The boss doesn't want to have to keep telling us what to do, and then have to micromanage us to make sure it gets done the way it's supposed to be done. The expectation is that we'll go, we'll complete the task, we'll do it the way it's supposed to be done, and then we can go on to the next task. We understand what it means for someone to tell us, please do this, this is what I want you to do, this is what's important, this is what it means to acknowledge me the way I want you to acknowledge me, or do what I want you to do to honor what I've been asking. We understand that, and God is doing the same thing. God said to Adam and Eve, and God communicated, this is how I want you to worship me. This is how I want you to acknowledge me. This is how I want you to come and acknowledge who I am and what I've done in your life. I've created and I've made. Look around you. All of this is stuff that I've put together just for you guys. Now, your dad was foolish and stubborn and obstinate and disobedient and you can't be over there. See that angel over there with that sword going back and forth? You're not getting in there. But all this other stuff is there. This is how I want you to worship me. This is how I want you to acknowledge me. And God spelled it out. And he made it plain. He made it clear. We're going to have a baptismal service today. Why do we do baptism? Because God told us to. Because God said, I want you to baptize people who make a decision for Jesus Christ, and I want you to do that because that's that public way that I want them to identify that they're a follower of Jesus. We do a baptism because Jesus told us to do it. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go, do those things, do that. God spelled out to Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, this is how I want you to worship me. This is how I want you to acknowledge me. Abel was honoring God and doing it the way God wanted him to do it. Cain's worship 
was rejected. Again, look at verses 3 and 5. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. Drop down to verse 5. But he did not have regard for Cain's offering, and Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Now doesn't this blow you away? Mom, Dad, I want to go do so-and-so with this person or that person. Oh, can I do that? And said, sure, you can go do that. But first, we, it's, it's Saturday morning. We have some chores we want you to do. You know that. It's, 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 so these are things we want you to do. So do these, two, do these two things. I want you to clean your room, and I want you to clean the garage. And after you're done, you're free. So all morning long, putter, 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 putter. Futs, 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 futs around, and all sorts of nothing takes place. One o'clock comes along and says, Mom, Dad, can I go hang out now? And so Mom, Dad comes walking around and says, Well, you really didn't clean your room, and all the stuff that I asked you to do in here is still not done. (gasps) But we're supposed to meet at 1.30. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And we talked about this. So I said, sure, go ahead and do that. But if you're not done, then you can't go. But listen, you've been, what have you been doing for the last three hours? And all of a sudden, mom and dad are the bad guy. They're these terrible ogres who are holding their kids accountable to the expectations they just identified. It's horrible. They're the worst parents ever. Same thing with God. Cain. I told you how I wanted you to acknowledge me. I told you how I wanted you to worship me. I kind of mapped it out and explained it to you. But you're not honoring what I've asked. You're not doing what I've asked. And he's being obstinate and stubborn. Willful. It's not fair. How come you like him better than me? He's your favorite. Now, don't you love it when you go to your kids and you say to them at some point in time, so yeah, so and so is my favorite. Oh! Oh! not really true you know that but you just like to tweak them once in a while Cain is ticked off but isn't this typical of us we have things clearly explained to us we have expectations outlined for us but then we disregard those expectations we disregard those outlines and we do what we want to do anyway And then we come back and we say to the people that we're doing these things for, aren't you happy? Aren't you content? Aren't you satisfied? I completed your job. And they look at us and they say, no, you didn't. And this is called sin. It's called sin. Cain is being defiant. Cain is being stubborn. Cain is being obstinate. 
and he's ticked off that God is not saying it's okay when he had already told him what was acceptable and what was desired. In reality, we haven't changed at all in our reaction and our response to God. So often we will interact with people, we will talk with individuals, and they will tell us how they are going to approach God. They will tell us how they're going to interact with God. And it has nothing to do with what God has identified as his expectation, his desire. Because God has mapped out his expectations. God has mapped out his desires. God has communicated the things that he wants. And yet what happens? So often we reject it, we ignore it, we do our own thing. And that's where sin kicks in. And it still happens. But that's exactly what was going on with Cain. And he's ticked off. Because God says, Cain, it's not acceptable. I've mapped out what I desire. And you're ignoring me. Now there is a terror to surrendering to sin. Now again, we talked about Cain's belligerence, his stubbornness, his defiance. He was out of control. Look at verses 6 and 7. And we read these words, and, and these are those classic words that echo throughout history and echo for so many of us in the flow of time. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? And that's a question that does not need to be answered really because it's an implied answer. The implied answer is yes. The implied answer is that, yes, I will be accepted. Yes, God, you will accept me if I do the right thing. Won't, I, won't you be accepted? Yes. But, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. King, I love you. Cain, I've explained to you what I desire. I've explained to you what I want. I've communicated my interests and my expectations. You know what I want. And you know, Cain, that if you honor what I've asked, you know you're going to be accepted. You know you're going to be approved. You you, you know you're going to receive the affirmation and the approval and the acknowledgement that you want to receive from me. Cain, you've got to recognize something. Sin. That predatory thing is just hovering right there. And it's ready to grab you by the throat. Cain, if you don't exercise authority over your life choices, sin is going to rule your life. Make good choices. It's a great statement. And he totally ignored it. 
because he was angry. He was upset. And in his mind, he was justified. Do you ever get that way? Where something happens that you don't want to happen, your expectations are not fulfilled, even though framework was spelled out for you and you kind of did things your own way instead. And then things didn't work out the way you had desired and then you're angry and you're upset and you're angry at the person holding you accountable. How often were you at, mad at mom and dad? How often have you maybe been ticked off at your boss? Because expectations that were given were disregarded and then accountability started to land. And we get angry because we whisper in our own ear, I tried hard. I thought I was doing a good job. I thought I was giving good effort. But we really were not honoring the structure or the framework that was given. And so we react and we respond. And there's one of two responses. We acknowledge that we were stubborn and foolish and obstinate, pig-headed. I can keep on going with those types of terms. We don't always enjoy those terms, but they are an accurate description of when we are messing up and when we are being stubborn in that process. We can be belligerent and kind of stay focused in on I am being treated unfair. We can go back and say, well, you're right. I really didn't listen well. I really didn't follow through well on what you expected. I really didn't honor well the, the structures that you gave and that you had. And I'll do better next time. See, one is confession. One is acknowledgement of the error we've made. And the other is continuing to drill down and to not acknowledge that we have messed up. And Cain was not willing to acknowledge he messed up. So Cain's solution was to take away what offended him instead of dealing with what offended God. The terror of surrendering to sin. Verses 6 and 7. And then we'll go down to verse 8. Why are you furious? Why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do what is right, but if you do not, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires its desire is for you, you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. I can't think of um, many more vile things to do than something like that. There are many vile things that can be done. But this was calculated and planned. It was intentional. It was defiant. It was wrong. 
Cain knew the right thing to do, but he refused to do it. Now here's the next thing that really stands out. And again, it takes some of us a long time to figure this out, and some people don't ever really fully figure it out. Some of us learn it sooner. But freedom of choice does not mean freedom from consequence. Freedom of choice does not mean freedom from consequence. That's not fair. You don't get to we don't get to choose the consequences. We don't. Let's look at what takes place here. Verses 10 to 16. Then he said, What you have done, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out from me to me from the ground. So you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Now, we are of the biblical mind and of maybe that generation where we did spank our kids at different times. Now, don't call Dyfus because our kids are all grown. That doesn't happen anymore. Plus, I think it was still biblically correct anyway to do what we did. We had the spanking stick, and we would talk about that and all that kind of jazz. But it was amazing. They were doing things they know that they would get a swat for. No, 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 no. He bent over the bed. It's amazing. We, we don't enjoy the consequence. Stick your nose in the corner. No! I still remember with Daniel, we would put him in a timeout when he was very little. And he would be super, super defiant in that whole thing. And so we would just take him and put him in his high chair. We would strap him into his high chair and make him sit in his high chair for the appropriate period of time for, for a timeout. We don't like our consequences. We don't enjoy the consequences. We don't want consequences. And here's Cain. He's going, the consequences are too severe. But this is the domino effect of his choices. He didn't want to honor God, and he chose to remove the offense because of his offense from God instead of dealing with his sinful behavior instead of dealing with his own belligerence and his own stubbornness. My punishment is too great to bear since you are banished me today from the face of the earth and I must hide from your presence. He also understood he was being banished from God's presence. And become a restless wanderer on the earth. 
And whoever finds me will kill me, he said. The Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain, so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the rub of some of the journey we're in. God has called us to righteousness and God has called us to walk with him and God has called us to embrace him. We need to do that. But we don't get to pick and choose what is true, what isn't true. We don't get to pick and choose what following God should be versus what God says it should be. We don't get to pick and choose what God says. God lays out the expectations. And then we don't get to pick and choose the consequences or the implications of our choices. So our world will look at us and they will say to us, listen, you are so out of date. So out of date. Because you still talk about sin and and hell and the lake of fire and that kind of stuff. That is so outmoded today. Why would he even talk about that stuff? Because that stuff is so not today. It's so not the routine or the pattern that we live in today anymore. Why would he even deal with that stuff? Because it's what the Bible teaches. And because God has identified the expectations and God has identified the consequences, we don't get to pick the consequences. We don't get to pick the outcomes. I've had conversations with God and I say, God, I don't get the eternity in the lake of fire separated from you. I don't get that. I don't understand that. Thinking about eternity in heaven freaks me out enough. Thinking about eternity apart from God in a place called lake of fire totally freaks me out. But we don't get to pick and choose the consequences. But we do get to pick and choose whether we choose to honor God, whether we choose to obey God, whether we choose to follow God, or whether we choose to do something else. We do get to choose that. And Cain was being given those same choices. And he rejected those choices. And these are the foundations of things that continue to take place in our culture. These are the foundations of the things that continue to happen all around us. All around us today, people still are sinning. All around us today, people are still being defiant and angry at God. And people all around us today are being angry at God because God is not responding or reacting the way they want Him to. And people all around us today are angry at God because the consequences that He identifies are not the consequences they want. They want something else. They want to disregard mom and dad's instructions on cleaning the room and cleaning the garage. And they still want to go out and hang out with their friends at 1.30. So they want to set their own standards. They want to set their own timelines. They want to set their own fulfillment process. And it doesn't work that way. God is the one who's on the throne. God is the one who establishes those structures. And he's the one that we need to listen to and follow. So as we continue to wrestle through these things, Continue to sift these things away and continue to process through what it means then to honor God, what it means to listen to God, and what it means to follow God.
because these things are key. These are core in our life journey. And at the very beginning of the conversation in history, God is mapping out and he's identifying. I'm communicating my expectations. I'm communicating my desires. And I want you and I expect you to honor what I ask. All through history, this has been the case. Let's pray together. Fathers, we continue the conversation of the things that are taking place in Genesis. And fathers, we continue to wrestle through what it means to walk with you and what it means to know you and what it means to be transformed by you. Father, I would ask that you'd be at work in us. Father, you'd be shaping us and molding us after the image of Jesus. That you'd be drawing us to yourself. And that we would be responsive. That we would be saying yes. And that we would welcome your guidance and your instruction in our lives. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.